it's going to be different for everyone. I think what I've read and personally experienced, if you put the thing that's the maybe the most important and also the hardest for you to do at the very beginning of the day and get that done, like the whole day is going to just go better and feel like a win. For me, that used to be working out. So if I didn't work out very the first thing in the morning, I would skip it. I just would be like, make excuses Mm -hmm. and not do my workout. Now working out is such a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I am, I know I trust that I will do it later in the day. That's not the first thing that I go to in the morning. Hello everyone. And welcome back or welcome to the feeding curiosity podcast. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always feeding curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarity of human experience Really, just the random occurrences that happen to each of our lives and how we interpret those experiences to live the most fulfilling life that we can. And it's my hope through these conversations that you're going to take away the blueprints to live a more fulfilling life. And with that, everyone, please enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Krista Stryker. Krista is the founder of The 12-Minute Athlete, a leading expert on high-intensity interval training or HIT, and bodyweight fitness. She is also the author of the book, The 12-Minute Athlete. Growing up in a super athletic family, Krista played sports, but felt like the athletic gene had skipped her. She never attempted a push-up until she was in college, and when her brother, who called her spaghetti arms, challenged her to do one, as she struggled through the first push-up, she realized that she had the potential to become an athletic person. Within a few years, she became certified as a personal trainer and started working long hours in a popular New York City gym. She tried all kinds of fitness programs, running, cardio, weightlifting, sports-specific training, and CrossFit, ending up overtrained, injured, and exhausted without ever seeing results she wanted. And then she discovered high-intensity interval training and bodyweight workouts, and everything changed. Krista developed a system of workouts that could be done in little space with few pieces of equipment, and in the shortest time possible. Best of all, they actually worked for her and her clients. Before long, Krista was doing feats of exercise she never thought possible, like pull-ups, handstands, 100 burpees in six minutes flat, and since launching the 12-minute athlete, Krista has helped tens of thousands of people work towards their athletic potential. And in today's conversation, We really don't spend too much time around the working out aspect of Krista's life. Instead, we talk about how we deal with the uncertainty in our life. It's really front and center. And we talk about how we deal with uncertainty, what we learn about, and how we can focus on things that we can actually control. And the one thing that I really enjoyed about Krista is that she is a lifelong learner. She is committed to understanding herself and understanding that it's going to take process and commitment to becoming that, whatever that may be, if it means trying to do a handstand or learning to do a pull-up. That's the same thing. But Krista's also a writer, and so that same long-term aspect of her life goes through when she's thinking and immersing herself in what she's writing. And she's just a treasure trove of information, and she's very good at taking nuggets of science and making it so that people can take a little nugget of that and say, here's how you actually use that in your life. 
And so with that, everyone, please enjoy my conversation with Krista Stryker. In today's episode, I'm joined by Krista Stryker, the 12-minute athlete. Hi, Krista. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, as I was saying right before we started, uh, technical difficulties aside, I'm really appreciative of you making the time and just further just to talk about what it is that you do, because I think in this time, especially with the pandemic as it is still continued to be very prevalent in our lives, uh, yep. <laughs> much longer than most of us uh, have had expected, probably. I think the best place to start as of right now is just how have you been adapting with the current climate or just overcoming or dealing with the new normal? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question because in so many ways, my life is pretty much the same as it was before the <laughs> pandemic. I've worked for myself for basically my entire career. Mm-hmm. I usually work out, you know, at home or at outdoor parks. So a lot of my day-to-day life has not changed, but there's this like underlying like heaviness mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was not there before. And so it's like day-to-day I'm fine, but I definitely, as I know, many people have struggled Um struggle it's hard to plan right now it's mm-hmm. I'm normally traveling all the time and all of that is just at a halt so it's been very strange yeah that, I think you bring up a really interesting point that I think more of us are feeling than maybe we're comfortable sharing like yeah. the idea that I don't know it's like this highs and lows it's like switches on a dime like one oh day gosh, you could be like sure. super motivated <laughs> and then the like next day you're just like super down and just whatever about it so true. I actually talk about this quite a bit. I try to be pretty open because I appreciate other people being honest, especially on social media and online. So I try to be open about my feelings. And every time I post something like this, I get so many comments. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling the same way. <laughs> and yeah, a lot of us are doing pretty good in the moment on a daily basis. But then there are just days when it feels like for no great reason, that you're just we get down Mm -hmm. it's just weird times it's definitely strange is there anything that helps you specifically like when you start feeling that you like to turn to or just ways of maybe escaping that moment that's so it's not as heavy yeah (laughs) I actually so we're like far into the pandemic right now so I've gone through different phases when it first (laughs) started um, when it first started, I only had exercise. I'm a 12 minute athlete. Like people think of me like, Oh, she does just short workouts. I was doing like five workouts a day to deal with my anxiety. Every time I would have one of those like moments, I was like, okay, God, I'll go work out again. And as I'm sure you can guess at a certain point that didn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to find other things. And so some things, obviously a regular exercise habit for me is just non-negotiable that helps keep me sane in so many ways other than that getting outside as much as possible fresh air there's something to it taking walks I actually started running a little bit during the pandemic I never used to run (laughs) and now it's just oh my gosh freedom Um, so Mm -hmm. any outdoor activity is great but other than that the things that have helped me the most I started to do a friend got me to start to do some like deep breathing oh wow and like diaphragm breathing box breathing that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and that helped tremendously 
especially. So I started doing that every morning just for five minutes. I know some people meditate this for me, just the style has worked better than feeling like I'm sitting down to meditate. Mm -hmm. So I do five minutes of box breathing. And then anytime I feel like I'm going to have an anxiety attack, Mm -hmm. that deep breathing has just helped. Wow. I, yeah, I really recommend that. And there's more research coming out about breathing. Um, It's, you know, big surprise. It's really helpful. Really you bring that up because I've been seeing so much. Dr. Andrew Huberman was on podcast yeah. lately. Um, and then James Nestor's book was just on Joe Rogan or they covered that. And I was like, mm-hmm. huh, this is interesting because there's so much to it. And it, it's such a simple so thing. It's such a, yeah. <laughs> then you don't expect it to really be that big of a deal, but then it, it is. And it, and you know why I like So I actually started this before I read James Nestor's book and I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed it, but I started this before I read that book. And I was just at that point, I was so frustrated and anxious all the time. I'm like, I'll try anything like whatever. Mm -hmm. And I saw it in my, I have a whoop and an aura ring Mm -hmm. for data tracking. And I saw it in my HRV. And so it was like, okay, we've got proof. This works. Yeah. (laughs) So for me personally, like I like to see the data that was really helpful. Yeah, um, that's really interesting. I'm surprised that you were able to actually tell it in your HRV because normally yeah. it, it doesn't really track as much, but that's really awesome that you're able to see it. And for those of you who listen who don't know what that means, it's heart rate variability. And I'll make sure to have a link in there in the show notes <laughs> so you can go explore that because I think it's a really interesting metric because I do wear both of them myself. So You do? <laughs> yeah, awesome. I, I love both of them. And, and for me, wearing, wearing these devices, I didn't expect it, but it's really cut through a lot of the anxiety I might have, have had with mm. the virus because I can pretty much yeah. say with probably 70% certainty that I haven't been exposed to COVID or right. had any sort of illness that would be considered COVID since this all kind of went down. So I can tell my friends or family and be like, nope, I've <laughs> not been sick at all. Because they, because it measures respiratory rate and they're mm-hmm. doing studies with whoop now that it, if it, if you do get COVID that it's showing up on your whoop before you even feel symptoms. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's a silver lining of all of this stuff for me to be like, oh, cool. Sure. Just being able to, be uh, comfortable with not knowing because mm-hmm. the idea of having a virus that's never been not like we've all been had the opportunity to be get sick like really nothing has changed yeah. but now it's now we're focusing on what how does your body respond when being sick and that these wearables seem to be able to tell that before you might even have the visible symptoms for sure so. i can't wait they're they're just gonna get better and better we're gonna be able to tell like what virus we have like <laughs> the second we get it gonna be awesome that'll be so strange once it gets yeah. to that point where it's be, or it's gonna just start nagging you and be like you went to sleep late last night <laughs> yeah i know that that part of it won't be as fun <laughs> just just let me have a break for a second <laughs> right <laughs> for, for you is it like any other habits that you've picked up that or things maybe even like little things that you've picked up on mm-hmm. that you're more appreciative of given this time period Oh, wow. Gratitude has actually been a very useful thing during this period. (laughs) It's helped a lot. So I started, you hear about gratitude stuff forever and ever. Mm -hmm. They should have a gratitude journal. But I really started to try to implement gratitude into my life about a year, maybe a year and a half ago now. Mm -hmm. And at that point, 
again, like I like to see the science. So at that point, I was like, I don't know about this. I'm going to give this a shot. And then I started to read more about the science behind gratitude and how they're showing that if you have a gratitude practice, you, your brain actually starts to change from it and you start to notice more positive things in your everyday life. This is like something with neuroplasticity, like our brain's ability to change. And I thought that was really cool. And so I actually, I was like, okay, so I was doing this pretty regularly. And then during this pandemic, I started to notice that I was noticing things I was thankful for, just like out of the blue. Wow. Uh, and this is not something like I used to be a very pessimistic person and I would just latch on to all the negative things. And so it was, I would have this thought, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful I can still get a coffee to go. And I'd be like, wait, where did this come from? And there were other things. So I actually broke my foot during this time, which for an active person is like the worst possible thing. <laughs> yeah. But I never got super down from it. I just kept being like, I broke my foot, but oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. I can still go for a bike ride or mm -hmm. I can still like do push-ups and pull-ups on handstands. And It's like leaning gratitude. into the challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been really fascinating to watch and experience, but wow. super helpful. <laughs> it, it sounds to me like this ability to, I don't know, like you've already had a lot of positive habits in the works and stuff like that, but it this it's allowed you to reevaluate some of the behaviors that you've had and add in little things that seem to be paying off that you wouldn't have expected yeah. or otherwise or forced you to look at. Definitely. I think for a lot of people, this has been a very clarifying time and yeah, it's just, it gives you perspective. Yeah. I think perspective is definitely the key in all of this. Like we've just gone through, I don't know if it feels like this for you, but it feels like that this time period that we're in, even though it's August, it feels like time has slowed down almost like yeah. this period of time in the last six months has felt like a year already. And it's yes. not in your, hold on. Because like all of our typical markers that mark mm. the year out really didn't happen as much. The weddings or the gatherings that we normally would have just haven't happened. So that sense of like progression of time seems to just stalled. Yeah, it's very odd. It's I feel that way. And then I also feel like my days are quicker than ever. Yes. And it, so it's like this weird, slow, fast thing where, mm -hmm. yeah, it's very confusing. Do you try to spend... Cause I feel like most of us spend more time on the computer than we would because of just the nature of this. But mm. I feel like when you kind of sit in front of your computer screens all day, it feels like the time blurs. And it's like when I'm away from screens, then the time goes back to the normal pace. I don't know if uh, you feel that way or not. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I personally, I try and I've tried even more during this time to chunk my day. Mm -hmm. And so... I usually, if I'm in front of the computer, like just set a timer. And so I know that's kind of my work chunk. And then after that, I'm going to either go work out or go for a walk or just do something else. Yeah. How long and do you I normally that helps. Uh, set your timer for? I, I can only do like 90 minutes okay. and then I'm like super antsy. <laughs> but I, that works pretty well for me. If I can actually just get into that space, focus, maybe get into a, low grade flow state. I get a lot done. It's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. I think that's a good way of looking at it too, because I found myself, if you give yourself, say you have to work eight hours or whatever it would be, 
mm-hmm. you give yourself that eight hour, it's like, oh, maybe I can fudge a time or take slow down a little bit here. I got eight hours to do this. And then somehow eight hours yeah. turns into four to six. You know what I mean? <laughs> because you're just not really focusing. There's so many distractions right. or whatever it is that may just bombard you. You're so interested in just ideas and science and just like cultivating these focus or present moments. What is it like that helps you click into that moment? Do you have a morning routine where you wind up or wind down your days, those kind of things? Yeah, kind of. Uh, one other thing I've, that I started during COVID was I was waking up and reading the news immediately and that was just not helping my day at all. So <laughs> I, I actually got the idea from my dad to start listening to Ryan Holiday's podcast, The mm-hmm. Daily Stoic. Mm-hmm. It's three minutes, but just to start that every morning and just get my mind in different space. Again, it gives me perspective. He talks about old ideas, things that are relevant to now, but doesn't focus like on the latest I don't know, scare, uh, <laughs> fires in California, what, whatever it is right now. So that has really helped me. And then from there, I usually write for an hour and a half. And if I get those things done, I'm like, I feel pretty good most days. I feel mm-hmm. like I accomplished something and it just, it starts my day off better than if I'm just like trying to do a million random things in the morning, start or email or something like that. Yeah. That's a really interesting point because it, it's like a, it's not a low bar to set for yourself, but the amount you need to accomplish to consider your day a win seems mm-hmm. manageable. Like it's not something where you're like, oh, I got to do some ridiculous number of something to feel like you're on track for that day. I think that makes it a lot more like a better bite to chew. I guess that's probably why you consider yourself the 12 minute athlete too. Most people can <laughs> fit 12 minutes into their day where they're going to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to be different for everyone. I think what I've read and personally experienced, if you put the thing that's the, maybe the most important and also the hardest for you to do at the very beginning of the day and get that done, like the whole day is going to just go better and feel like a win for me that used to be working out. So if I didn't work out very, the first thing in the morning, I would skip it. I just would be like, make excuses Mm -hmm. and not do my workout. Now working out is such a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I am, I know I trust that I will do it later in the day. That's not the first thing that I go to in the morning. Writing is the thing that I focus on instead, but that's going to be different from for different people. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So for you, I know we talked about in our previous conversation, but your writing, I don't think it's a normal thing for people like yourself who's so interested in movement to be also equally interested in writing because you have to sit in one place for so long. <laughs> what was it about writing that just captured your attention and why you feel like you have to do it? Uh, that's a great question. To, to be honest, I've been a writer since or for longer than I've been into movement. I actually went, I visited, I flew on a plane to visit my parents recently, which was a weird and surreal experience. Yeah, I wore I a bet. face mask and a face shield and everything. Um, and my mom made me go through an old box of like books. And I was writing books 
like children's books, but they were actual books in first grade. Wow. And they honestly were not that bad. I was like, okay, good job, little Krista. So it's always kind of been a a part of who I am, but I guess I would say I, I took it for granted. It was, that was the way that I got good grades. That's the only reason I ever got into college because I could communicate I had some random jobs post-college. I was a kind of freelance writer before I got into fitness. And then I've always, since I started my business, 12 Monopoly, I've always had a blog as a component of it. But it's only been in the last year or two where I've really put a focus, big focus back on writing and realize it's, for me, it's as integral to my life as movement is. If I mm-hmm. don't write during the day, I feel like off. And I think it's a way, I was rereading, I don't know if you've ever read Bird by Bird. I've I heard think of it's it. By, yeah, it's a really great book on writing. I think I read it 10, 15 years ago, but I remembered nothing. So I was rereading it. It's a great book for writers, but she talks about how for people who like to write, it's really our way of like making sense of the world. And I really, I find that to be true. I, if I want to figure out what I think I need to write about it. Mm -hmm. So that's how it is for me. I know different people have different mediums, whether it's like painting or something else, Mm -hmm. but writing for me is really helpful. Yeah, that's an interesting one because you rediscovered it. Like you always had this knack for it, but then when you're little, you don't know why you do things. You just do it because no. you enjoy it. Uh, but for you to reconnect with it and find the value in it is really fascinating. And do you give yourself like prompts to reflect on or like in the morning or something to get your thoughts on the page so you can let them be? Or do you just write about anything? This is a great question. I like to have a project. It's really hard for me not to have something a bigger like long-term project that I'm working on the if I do something shorter I tend to write an article or something I prefer to write like a book (laughs) even though that process itself is like huge and scary Mm -hmm. and overwhelming I like I just like the long-term process of working towards something like big the thing that I found really helpful with that is I, if I, I'll, sometimes I'll write multiple times a day, but in the morning I'll work on my most important project, which right now is my second book. And what I found to be very helpful is to go back through what I've written the day before to warm up my brain. Andrew Huberman actually talks about this, where we think we start work and we think we're just going to be like on it right away, but we actually have to warm up just like we would with a workout. Mm-hmm which makes a lot of sense to me because um, when I first start to read my writing, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't like make sense of any of this. And then slowly I start to be able to think again. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll read what I wrote the day before edit that and then start writing something new for that day. And I find that works really well. That's so cool. I really enjoy that. And you know, you said something interesting there too, is that you like bigger projects and yeah. I think that's a testament to your views on athletics too, because mm-hmm. most people don't like long-term things or committing to long-term things. It's scary and anxiety provoking. So do you yeah. have any like secrets <laughs> there or, or ways that you get yourself comfortable with that? This is the whole thing about mastery. There's multiple books on this. It's a hard road. It's in our culture. We're so used to like instant results. This is part of 
I think this is part of being raised, I don't like our generation, you're a millennial, right? Yep. Millennials, I think, especially where we were raised with what's called a fixed mindset. So like fixed mindset and growth mindset, this is the work of Carol Dweck, psychologist. And with a fixed mindset, you basically believe that your, your talents are like set in stone, that you were born with them. And a growth mindset means... You generally believe that if you work at something, you can get better. So with that, I think that we we tend to focus on things that, and not just the millennials. I know we get a bad rap, but (laughs) a lot of, (laughs) I, I do think we were specifically raised this way though, where we focus on things that we're pretty good at or like already show talent at. And so we expect to get better quickly. And so if we don't get better quickly or you have a goal of, let's say one of my goals early on was to be able to do a handstand and that's a like really long road and it can be frustrating. And so people who start something like that often will give up because it just seems so daunting. And I grew up like that. If I wasn't good at something at the very beginning, I was like, there's no hope for me. I'm not going to continue with this process because there's no point. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, over the years, I learned to fall in love with the long process of mastery. And my, I would say my first experiment in mastery and like having a growth mindset was handstands back to that example because I had zero experience with it and it was like one of those things that just seemed impossible and I was like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with this see if I can make any progress and I did and it was really slow (laughs) and I'm still at it but (laughs) it's fun it's just fun to look back and see how far you've come and I think there's like martial arts are great with this, like getting a black belt in jujitsu or something like that is like a 10 year process sometimes, but it's so satisfying when you go through it and you yeah. learn to just really love and appreciate the process, but it's not easy. It's not an easy road. It, it's such a, I think you're hitting on something that's like really important here with it's highlighting some of the struggles that we're facing because of this pandemic, right? Like the instant mm-hmm. gratification of the world or some would call it the Amazonification of the world, right? Like even yeah. you can grab your phone and you can get food delivered to you and don't have to do anything mm-hmm. or even, and it may be our generation as millennials gets the bad rap because we've grown up alongside of it. So for us, it feels normal. This is the way the world's always right. been. But I don't know, for me, I've always been, I just believe in long form and or like, trusting the process like i know mm-hmm. that's cliche and used all, all the time but I, f- I think this was from farnham street uh, shane parish he had a quote i think it was like you are what you consistently do and yeah so for me it's like anything that i want to do i don't expect it to be like i'm gonna start doing x right like maybe running i, I can't just start doing it and expect that i'm gonna start nailing seven minute miles or something like that's gonna take months and months of consistent practice and some miles are going to be really bad (laughs) but just because I have one bad one doesn't mean that 
I'm not going to be able to hit that seven minute one at some point or even can hit it consistently. Maybe you hit it once and then it's going to get really hard again. <laughs> totally. That's and, very normal. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to me just to understand. And I really like to pull parallels from working out for me because I wasn't an athlete yeah. at all. And I, I just think of being in the gym is, or doing anything difficult is like the point you, to train is to see where the failure points are so that you know where your limit is and say, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Now I know where the limit is and I can practice to go further. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love fitness for that reason. That I, I think it's just such a like great training ground for life. There's so mm -hmm. many lessons you can learn from fitness that you can then apply to the rest of your life. So cool. <laughs> yeah. There's so many parallels that are endless. And I think, I don't know, just becoming comfortable with failure is one of those things that is hard for people in general. Because like you were saying, we're expected to be good at something. And I'm thinking of the new HBO documentary with the weight of gold that they just did on the Olympians and how... Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. Okay, cool. Can't wait. I won't, I won't spoil anything, but it's... <laughs> so excited. I, I think you'd really like it, honestly. And, and yeah. my point I'll make here is, is this idea of identity foreclosure of being like having to be exceptional at something and mm. not understanding that to be exceptional requires a lot of time and effort behind the wheel so to speak right to use your uh handstand example like you can't just expect to hold yourself up for minutes at a time doing it once <laughs> no you can't it's a long process but it's tricky because i think sometimes and it's different for different people sometimes I think you're the exception that it's going to be a long process and you're okay with that. For some people, if you tell them how long it's going to be, they'll just quit right away. And honestly, I used to fall into that group too. Mm -hmm. So there's this fine line of encouraging people enough and like feeling like you're making some progress. And I think that's why it's so important to have like markers along the way and really track your progress so that you really can see that your effort is making a difference, but that's tough sometimes. Yeah, that definitely is tough for you. How would you say maybe someone doesn't want to invest in a coach or money's tight or something like that? How would you suggest someone might make their own markers out in the future to gauge their progress so they don't get discouraged with anything they're doing? Yeah, it's let's come up with an example just because yeah. examples are helpful. So I would say, okay, let's say your goal is to be able to do a pull-up and you've never been able to do a pull-up before and you're starting from like nowhere. We live in this amazing age of the internet. There's plenty of books also that have this. So there's amazing low-cost options, but what you would want to do with something like that is figure out what the regressions are so that you can build up strength. And so there's, there's pretty clear steps to build up to do, be doing a pull-up. You'd start with some basic like body weight rows or if you have weights, that's fine too. There's You can do some negatives. I like to start people with body weight rows, then what's called a flex hang. So you're hanging from the bar, but you're like your chest is at the bar. So it's harder than it sounds. Mm -hmm. And then from there you would do super slow negatives, then try to do like half pull up. And then you finally get to the full pull up. These little markers, you can check in, track your progress on in a journal, digital journal is fine, but you can check in to see how you're doing every so often and whether you need to make adjustments. And again, like 
the internet is just a great place to figure out steps like this or books books are like they're where all the secrets are books are <laughs> the people the best coaches in the world take all of their knowledge and put them in this little book that might cost you 10 to 20 dollars but they would be teaching you the same exact thing in person they might just be like personalizing just a little bit more but this is books are just like the best resource ever. So that's how I try to think about any goals. Just look at other people who have done similar things, see what their process was to get there, and then adjust as necessary for your own level. Yeah, I think that's great. And, and I think the pull-up example or any body weight workout is really a great example for this because I, I got really into that a couple of years ago and, and I found a book on uh, that laid out exactly what you're talking about and it okay. blew me away because when you look at something like the pull-up as an outsider and you see all the different variations that are, are out there it's like how do you do that but then when you mm. see it broken down by the simplest steps it's oh now it makes more sense and then it's exactly. like it makes it so much more approachable than you would have likewise thought and then somehow eventually you're like doing things that you never would have guessed to see yourself doing. And we're, we're definitely going to get to books toward the end, but I just love the idea of, I don't know, just the idea of trapped knowledge in people that you wouldn't ever <laughs> expect yourself to interact with and like hear their story or whatever their experiences may have gained them, I think is incredible. I think it goes back to the like delayed gratification. Like an author has to spend yep. many hours and years really of their time to make a book and then the reader has to spend equal amount of hours just absorbing that information. And it, I don't know, it's magical, right? Cause it's like one of the only ways you really in quotes can live forever by yeah. sharing your story and what you've learned for people generations removed, like, like Victor Frankl's book and things like that. I think yeah. are some of the more powerful books that I've read lately for me in this time, I found myself getting more and more interested in like therapeutic books, like, internal turmoil and how people interact with other people like the mm. interpersonal relationships I don't know I don't know what it is about me right now but I've been really deep into that with Lori Gottlieb's work and stuff like that yeah, yeah I don't know what it is right now I'm, I'm really into this un understanding your own knots in your own mental framework you know what I mean like the, <laughs> mm -hmm. the things that are holding yeah. you back yeah I think I understand I've been very into like mindset stuff philosophy psychology all the things that like have nothing to do with the news <laughs> i need some more hope than that i don't know long long-term stuff again because yeah. we know this will pass eventually mm -hmm. hopefully uh, <laughs> and so i think it's just easier in ways it's easier to focus on longer term things right now because it's just something to look for forward to in the future yeah, wow. That's feel we a, can change. You know what? That's a great point. Like, cause I remember just writing this out and talking to a friend and I was just like, what I want to be able to do is look back at this period of time and say, I didn't stagnate. Because I think right now, even though it is this situation and a lot of it we can't control, there's a part of you that wants to be able to like, what's a pandemic and just be like, I'm done. I'm going to just get through this. Lots of Netflix. <laughs> right, exactly. Like binge watch too many things and stay up later or 
I don't know. know. I remember finding myself craving just like novelty where I, because I'd be in home most of the day. I would wind (laughs) up drinking stuff that I wouldn't drink or eat things that I wouldn't be. I'm just like, what am I doing? I normally wouldn't be eating like this 10 piece of candy or drinking a beer just to have a different flavor in my mouth or something silly like that. I'm like, what is going on? (laughs) So weird. Just like the search for novelty. (laughs) Yeah. It's so strange. Like just the, yeah, the random sure. of, randomness of life feels so curbed right now because everything is so planned and scheduled. So true. Yeah, it's a very odd time. <laughs> For you right now, because of the situation that we're in, like you said, much hasn't changed, like the day-to-day part of it. But what is it that you've realized you miss the most now, given the circumstances? Definitely travel. I I just have always loved to travel. I went out of the country for the first time when I was like 14. And I was at that time like so depressed, so lost. So like I grew up in this small little town mm-hmm. in Washington State where it felt it was just this bubble. And not to like age myself too much, but like the internet wasn't what it is today. <laughs> and yeah, there was instant messenger. You knew people existed in other places, but it wasn't as easy to, to connect. And mm-hmm. so when I went to Europe, my mom took me to Spain and we took we taught kids English for two weeks Whoa. when I was like this kind of punk goth kid that was super uninterested in life. And that just opened up my world. And mm-hmm. I just, I was at that point where I was like, oh my gosh, there's there are other types of people out here. It's not, my town was, like I said, super small, like white Christian, just small minded. Um, not, not where I would choose to live. (laughs) And so (laughs) that opened my eyes. So ever since then, I just travel isn't my novelty. It's what gives me inspiration and gets me out of my routine, um, because I do really well with routine like you, I'm sure you can relate that I get into a rut at times and I can get a lot done sitting at my computer every day, but the spark starts to fade a little bit. And so travel, I was looking at pictures yesterday and I had gone to Thailand for the first time, like two years ago. And I was like hanging out with elephants. I'm like, Oh, I miss that so much that and more in-person stuff, just getting together in groups and whether it's like at a conference, event, something, I get really energized by things like that and I really miss them. Yeah, I think I love both of those. It's, I've always wanted to travel and I was in school for the most part up until last year. And so it was, I was supposed to start doing traveling starting like this year and next year and stuff like that. So that's not happening, but like, no. <laughs> I just think like being able to travel now, it feels more of, instead of just this nice thing to do, it's more of, Oh yeah, that should, you should do that while you can, because yes. you can learn so much about the world just by immersing yourself in it. I think going to Spain, especially for you, so had, to, had to just blow everything off its hinges for you just to see how other people may live because when you're 14, everything feels so important around where you live. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh my gosh, high school. Yeah, right. Not, not my favorite. Everything feels like the end of the world back then. Yeah. 
Yeah, that perspective, again, it's just, it's the best. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then for me, I don't know if you've done this, but in, in the start of this year, I started learning a new language. I'm learning German and I've wow. basically committed myself to do, you know, the minimum of every day on Duolingo so that I just, cool. not, not just checking the box, but just immerse myself in it just a little bit every day and just keep going and try to do it for a whole year. I've missed a couple of days here and there because I, I forget and life happens like always, but sure. next day, make sure I do it. I've never missed a consecutive day in a row, which is cool. But <laughs> like, awesome. you know, I, I'm curious if you've ever committed to learning a language or anything like that, or just because I know you have an affinity for words. So I'm curious <laughs> if there's anything there. I've always wanted to, and I've never, it's never stuck for me. And so it's one of the things that I've identified that bothers me in other people, as well as myself, is when people like are all talk about something and then they don't do it. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) I've always wanted to learn various languages. I did live in Amsterdam for a few years and attempted to pick up some Dutch. I even took lessons and no one would talk to me in Dutch. It's like the second, because I, I can pass as Dutch. A lot of them are like blonde and tall-ish. And the second they would hear my accent, they would switch to English. And so it was really frustrating. But at some point, I will commit. I've again, I've realized that if I want to be good at certain things, I can only commit to very few things to really try to master. So at some point in my life, that's going to be one of them, but it hasn't, I, I haven't prioritized it yet. When I was younger, I used to take on so many different things and um, not get good at any one of them. And so one, I realized that if I wanted to actually go, get good at something and work toward mastery, work toward those 10,000 or more hours in something like you have to simplify your life and it's, it's hard. And, but this is why people who are really good at something, athletes, scientists, whatever it is, they don't have that many things that they're focusing on in their life. They might have their main thing and a hobby or two and family and, and that's it. Like you can't commit to 10 different things and expect to get really good at any one of them. And not everyone has to choose that path either. Like it's not good or bad. It's just something to understand. It's really interesting to me. It's like, how do you reevaluate things and learn to say, okay, this is normal and it worked, but how can we just do it a little bit better? It's true. And like you said, this time, I think for so many people has just been so clarifying and it's in a lot of ways it's been awful. And then a lot of ways I think it's been good for people and hopefully we'll come out of this stronger and clearer and better people <laughs> yeah it's very weird like I've had some of my friends like my brother moved out at the beginning of this and two of my friends just moved to LA and they were just on the podcast but they were talking about moving and he said something really important and he said some of his friends were asking him why now and it's like those same people who ask why now are going to ask why now in any situation exactly and it's it's so true and yeah i think in a lot of ways now it's that the future is uncertain so you might as well take advantage of things now or do what you've always wanted to do now i think it's in a lot of ways pushing people forward toward toward growth quicker than it would have if we didn't have this going on yeah 
and you mentioned Ryan Holiday and the Stoic philosophies not too long ago, and they're really good for dealing with uncertainties and leaning into the uncertainty of the moment. But do you have anything else about how do you deal with the day-to-day or just uncertainty in general? Yeah, I've been, like I said, I've been getting really into like philosophy and psychology and stuff just because I think again like going back to what I was saying before about like dealing with longer term things and goals and like deeper issues has been helpful for me versus focusing on like the day-to-day craziness of the news so I've read a lot about Taoism I hadn't really read much about that before Mm -hmm. I read this amazing book it's called the way of the champion highly recommended and it's it blends like western psychology Taoism, and like some native american philosophy and just talks a lot about what we've been talking about uncertainty just kind of growth and planning and goal setting but in this like really amazing way it's just like an awesome book so just reading a lot and I'm super into like nerdy psychology and neuroscience so I love that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but yeah it's, it's stoicism is it's like a lot about acceptance so acceptance and then okay what are we going to do about it and I really like that it's like you don't I, I like to think about it okay you accept the the present you're honest with yourself about what's happening and it's not you don't give up then then you decide what action steps you're going to take to make the situation better and so that kind of thinking has helped me a lot but yeah there's so many good books (laughs) it's incredibly practical thinking that's the kind of way i look at it it's like this way of dealing with roadblocks or speed bumps in the way that you can say okay this sucks and i'm a part of it I can't control it. So what are the two to three things that I can actually control in this situation? This has been, honestly, this has been like a really great time to practice all that stuff because there's so much. And maybe honestly, like so much of the future is uncertain anyway. We don't know what's going to happen. We think we do, but we don't. So this is just showing us like more blatantly. We have no idea what the future is going to hold we can control these things in our lives and take these types of actions. But yeah, it's been an interesting time to practice that. (laughs) Definitely. I just love the ability you have to be a sponge for all this stuff and teasing out these little points that are impactful. Most people know they, how to read a book or listen to a podcast or something, and they don't take as much away from it. They take 1%, and it seems like you really have this ability to summarize the key takeaways from a lot of these things and make them real. Yeah, I really, I like feeling like like things that, okay, let's see. I like things that you can take action on. Like theory is awesome. It's great to read about things that are like more theoretical, but I, I want to know the action steps. What can you do practically in your everyday life to change or grow? Uh, and that's where I think Stoicism is awesome. Taoism is super interesting. Psychology, like all these things, there's tangible things that you can do in your own lives um, to make a difference. So I think that's super cool. Three, two, one. Yeah, I completely agree. It's part of my engineering background for me is... 
I didn't want to do a hard science in quotes like physics or chemistry because there's a point where you can go to, so deep into theory that all you're doing is theorizing. And so you lose the actual real world application. So for me, engineering is the perfect method of science and application. It's okay, how do you take the theory and marry it with reality that we have in front of us and make it and take it one step further? A lot of times that's where you have to say, okay, here's how we might actually make it real, but then how do you make it accessible? Yeah, I really like that. I actually think about this with when it comes to living better, like all of this stuff. A lot of this can feel really far away. And even talking about things like uh, gratitude or even when you mention philosophy, I think some people get scared and, oh, wait, what is this? That's for smart people or something. And I don't think it has to be that way. I think there's things that you can take away and find a little nugget that resonates with them. And even if it just sit with it and see... What does it look like for you? Yeah, I think that's really cool. I, like I said, like I read a lot of like nerdy psychology stuff. There's some stuff that I didn't go to school for it. So some of it's I'm just learning and I'm like, this is an amazing concept that has never been like translated for the public. The average person has no idea, not only do they know, not know it exists, but they don't know how to apply it to their own lives. I do, I really like that like application for like normal people, whatever that means. None of us are really normal, non-academics maybe. We've mentioned so many different books in this conversation and I would love for you to just mention some that you've either been reading lately in quarantine or just ones that really pop in your head and also any podcast that you might recommend as well. Yeah, I just finished none of, most of the books that I've been reading are not like brand new. I did read Breathe by James Nestor. That was really good. David Eagleman has a new book coming out about neuroplasticity. Science nerds will be very excited about that. I am. <laughs> Yay, that's awesome. So I really liked, like I said, I read this book and he has a lot of books. Jerry Lynch. It's a, I think that most of them came out about 10, 15 years ago. The Way of the Champion is really good. There's one that he wrote called Working Out, Working Within, and it was amazing. All about, like we were talking about, applying life lessons from fitness and sports to your everyday life. So good. I also really enjoyed The, the Mindful Athlete by George Mumford. He's a sports psychologist who worked a lot with Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, really great stuff. Again, really like accessible for normal people. And it's applicable even if you don't consider yourself an athlete. There are just some really amazing insights in there. As for podcasts, I know we've talked about this before. I'm a big fan of Finding Mastery. I really love him. Tim Ferriss is great. I really love, I listen to, again, this is a little nerdier, but the psychology podcast with Scott Barry Kaufman is awesome. I actually got to be a guest on it the other day. It was really cool. Yeah. And I, yeah, Michael Gervais from Finding Mastery was, he was on it being interviewed. So Scott let me ask a few questions. That was really fun. So Sam Harris's podcast can be a little much, but also really good. I really like at times the creative live guys, what's his name? Chase Jarvis. Yes. 
that his podcast can be super cool as as can be rich rolls yeah can be really good the problem is there's so many right now that are so good it's it's there's only so much time yeah and i again this is a, a theme apparently but like i like longer form things i like books a lot so i listen to a lot of audiobooks too so i do try to limit my podcast so that i'm really like maximizing my time it's it's tough so before we wrap up i have one final question and it's really just any other ideas that you may have come up with in the last hour and or have bubbled around the surface like along the lines of the themes of the things we've been talking about either uncertainty or how would you recommend to someone who wants to pick up a new habit? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It sounds, it's cliche, but you have to start small. There's, I don't know of, I honestly don't know of one example of anyone who has been successful in creating a habit that they went from like zero to 100 and stuck with it. People who do that, who start with, they don't have a workout habit at all. And then they're like, okay, I'm going all in. I want to work out twice a day, six days a week. They're burnt out within two to three weeks and then they just quit. Mm -hmm. So you really want to build up small. And honestly, it's, it's better to go smaller than you think. So one habit creation behavior that I like is uh, this model by the psychologist behavior design psychologist uh, BJ Fogg and he has this book called Tiny Habits. Mm. It's super good. His method is great. It's really accessible and what he has found is that when you want to create a new habit, let's say you want to be able to do a push-up or something and so you want to tie your or do 10 push-ups a day. You want to start super small like that and then tie your habits to an already existing prompt. So one example is you brush your teeth every morning. You know, that hopefully is a habit that you developed as a child. <laughs> and so what you wanna do is right after you brush your teeth, you're gonna go do two push-ups. Make it super small and doable so that you don't skip it. And that, and then after that, so one of the keys of this to do is to do a little celebration. And so you give yourself like a fist bump or I don't know, do something silly or even make yourself a cup of coffee after you do those push-ups. Something basically to give yourself a shot of dopamine that you continue that habit and then just start building up from there. And there's so many different ways to do this and depending on what you're trying to create. But again, it really just goes back to like really starting small Keeping track of your progress is huge so that when you're making progress, especially when it's a long-term goal that might feel like huge and overwhelming and like you're super far from, it's just, it's really important to do. Yeah. And as you're saying, if you have one off day or off week, you, you don't have to just give up. You can just get back to it and it's okay. Life happens. Don't be too down on yourself. What really matters is the consistency over time. Just keep at it, even if you miss a couple of days, and you'll make much more progress than if you just suck. I really enjoy the idea of stacking habits. It's like when you put them together, you can place them in your routine already without having to have to carve out more time for something or have the resistance to 
analyzing your schedule and figuring out where you can squeeze something in. And thank you so much for your time, Krista, and I really appreciate it again. And as a final closing, where can people connect with you? You can find me online anywhere, basically, at 12MinuteAthletes. That's my, like, social handle or 12MinuteAthlete.com. Or if you can't remember it, just Google it and you'll find it now. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's, a, that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Feeding Curiosity. I hope you all learned something or at least got you thinking. If you want to dive in deeper, please head over to feedingcuriosity.net to find related links or just more podcasts and blogs that we posted there. On top of this, please consider subscribing to our newsletter to stay up to date on the latest happenings on the website. Thank you all for joining me one more time and we'll catch you all in the next episode.